Yo, yo, yo! You know what time it is. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you're listening to the Madness Podcast. Woo-woo! Boy, do we have a wonderful episode for you today. It's a new year, a new you, 2022. Shout out to the Madness Show number one fan, Cecil Keithley. Woohoo! Number one fan. Been the number one fan for a long time. Probably at least 17 weeks. <laughs> so uh, today I have a very special guest with me. Right across the table from me is my brother from the same mother. You got John Bell. You guys know my little brother, Josh Barber. And now you get to meet my older bro, Jason Bell. So uh, without further ado, please give a magical welcome to my brother, Jason Bell. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing well. Oh, yeah. You look well. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. So Jason is my brother. He lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with his beautiful family, wife, and three children, and uh, we constantly try to get them to move to Texas, still on that journey. Jason flew in for the first time to Texas to check out the Texas way, took him to Bucky's, uh, took him to all of uh, you know, the Texas sites, things that need to be seen, such as Whataburger, In-N-Out, <laughs> Bucky's, and pretty much, <laughs> pretty much downtown Dallas. <laughs> How'd you like it so far? Oh, man, loving it. So Jason has quite a just wonderful story. He has a lot of things in his life, in his testimony, that are so cool to just to talk about and why he was here. I was like, man, I kind of spurred a random stop at the studio. So good thing this isn't live. But at the same time, I told him, I'm even if you make a mistake, the camera keeps on rolling, so to speak, even though we're not filming this yet. We will film it someday. So I want to talk a little bit about his testimony and probably the bulk of it I want to talk about um, him being a soldier his time as a soldier because that's so cool and radical I had him come and teach at my church this Sunday he did a marvelous job you guys can check that sermon out on YouTube at uh, youtube.com backslash covenant life online or facebook.com covenant life online go check out that sermon it is good so he is a great Bible teacher and so um I just remember when I was 16, so tell them about that. Tell them what branch of the military you joined and what that process was like from 18 years old to when you enlisted. Yeah, so <clears throat> as a young kid, I always wanted to be in the military. Our dad was in the Air Force, and so we grew up around military bases and military people. And, you know, I was that kid that would watch uh, Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen and <laughs> other uh, military shows, and then I would force John to go crawl around in the mud with me while it was <laughs> raining. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when he would uh, want to go inside because he was cold, I'm like, "You're weak. You need to man up and get out there." Yeah, I can, and I can concur on this. I'm like, "What are you doing to me? I'm I'm 12 years old. You know, you're 14." Or it was just always sniper missions. Pretending to like roll around on spy on like our mom, you know, like in the, <laughs> in the freezing cold. Yeah. Yeah. We were always playing manhunt. Don't question the authority. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> roll around in this poison ivy. Come on. 
Yeah. And training. of course I was a little more colorful in my telling John he needs to stay out there, but I'll keep it PG. <laughs> it was major pain. Major pain in my butt. <laughs> yep. So tell him tell him kind of so from there. Yeah. So basically, you know, I basically fantasized about being uh in special operations, which was the Air Force version of uh, Navy SEALs, but they have pararescue jumpers and combat controllers. And when I was a senior in high school, <clears throat> was right after 9-11. Actually, I was a senior in high school the year that that had happened. And so the American forces started going into Afghanistan. And I actually had a notebook filled with any article I could find of guys that were fighting over there that were, you know, either Navy SEALs, pararescue, or combat controllers. And so they recently made a, a movie, I think it was like 12 Strong, about the guys that mm. were riding horseback. And the funny yeah. thing is I knew about that as a senior in high school yeah, because I was reading the news articles about yeah, uh, guys like, his name is Matt Chapman. He's like the first Medal of Honor recipient where his actions were recorded. Yeah. And it's just an amazing video of just a hero, Valor. And uh, <clears throat> going in the Marine Corps was not planned. It was kind of a shock. Was the motivate? Why Marines versus like Army, Navy? Yeah, yeah. So... Basically, I had met this guy that was at Moody Bible College in Spokane training to um, be a uh, <clears throat> going to ministry. And uh, he was a Marine. And so, yeah. of course, when he found out that I wanted to go in the Navy or the Air Force, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just started yeah. the, the recruiting He's process. Like, are you an idiot? <laughs> And, uh, so the funny thing is, is he started really selling me on the culture. You yeah. know, he's like talking about the brotherhood Yeah, and the uniform, the dress blues. And yeah. Yeah. He's like, you do know the Marine Corps is the hardest boot camp out of all of them. Right. He's like, you know, the air force, that's, it's like going to summer camp. It's like by eight weeks. And, <laughs> <laughs> looking my our so our dad's in the Air Force and just by looking at my dad I would say the Air Force probably has a easier uh <laughs> easier time to get in. Yeah. And I That's love funny. I love all veterans. I never got caught up in the the uh I don't know what you call that. Just the uh rivalry, I guess. Yeah. Um, so would you say nine eleven and I, I don't know this. I mean I, I guess I was like a sixteen year old punk and you were already like eighteen kind of like a man. So was 9-11 your main motivator in joining the military? Well, I, I was 17 living with our grandpa and grandma in Oregon. Yeah. And I was getting on the bus and the bus driver is trying to explain to me what happened. And I'm like, what? And of course, later I saw the second building mm -hmm. get hit. Um, like most of everybody else did. Um, but I was already planning on going in anyway now it just went from there could be a situation, there could be war, to now it's like you're signing up when we're in war. Like yeah. they're there. 
How long after 9-11, how many months was it before you signed up? Um, or how, like, was it a long time? Six months, 12 months? I was already talking to the recruiter. Before 9-11 happened? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like bang, bang then. Like, cause you're already thinking about it and then that happened and it's like fuel to the fire. Like, yeah, let's kick some butt. So I had been talking to the recruiter, got everything squared away, but I decided that I was going to go back to back home, back to Washington where our parents lived. And I decided I was going to join out of there and yeah, spend the summer with the family. So <clears throat> when I had met this youth pastor, this, this guy that was going to Moody Bible College training to be yeah. a minister, uh, he sold me on the Marine Corps. He was like certified bad mama jamma. Yeah. And he was, he's like, you know, if you want to do the high speed stuff, jumping out of the plane, scuba diving, he's like, the Marine Corps will offer that to you. Wow. But if you wash out or whatever, you can't complete mm. the training, you can always go back to doing infantry type stuff. And, yeah. and I kind of liked that because I had some friends that were bigger, tougher dudes than me, and yeah. they didn't make it, and they were both stuck doing oh. jobs they really didn't care about. And no. I thought, oh. So Dang. in a sense, you know, I kind of uh, I kind of wimped out like, oh, man, I don't know if I can make it, so I'm going to go in the Marine Corps, so at least I can be doing infantry stuff if I don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it ended up being the best decision that I ever made. Yeah, uh, I look back on it. And I'm like, man, I'm just so proud of, yeah, uh, what I did. Yeah, but uh, the uh, youth pastor is the one who actually took me to the recruiting office. Yeah, and just kind of made that whole connection and got when? me signed up. So this was the summer of 2002. So you said two, and I would. He said, "I recommend you go to boot camp as soon as possible." And so I basically told the recruiter, put me on the next plane. Mm. And that ended up being in November of that yeah. same year, 2000. So you said youth pastor. So <clears throat> when did you give your life to Jesus Christ and said, I'm all in for Jesus? Since you said the youth pastor had a big influence on you. So did you give your life to Christ in your senior year, high school, junior year? Do you remember when, like... Well, growing up... Uh, in the South. Don't go too far back. We only have a half yeah. hour. Well, growing up in the South, you know, there was always a gospel presentation. Most of the messages yeah. were gospel. I never really heard anything other than, hey, come to Christ. Give your life to Christ. I never heard of what you yeah. do after. Yeah. It's yeah. just. And so I grew up every Sunday on a pew just praying that God would save me. Um, there was so a, really, right next to you sleeping. So there really wasn't like a moment of like a specific moment where I'm like, yeah. oh, that's the moment that I became a Christian because I grew up hearing the yeah. gospel. I believed it every week. I was asking yeah, yeah. God. I guess from your it. brother's standpoint, it'd be when there was just like a noticeable difference of how much you just wanted to be in with the Lord, whether it was Bible yeah. study, youth group, I think. That's more of what, what I was talking about. Yeah, so... Because we had our moments yeah, when we were teenagers. Yeah. I would Clubbing say that I... And I understand we all have different views, theological, but I'm of the view that at that moment that I asked Jesus, that I believed in him, yeah, that that was the moment that I was saved. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I do believe that their spiritual immaturity, you got to grow. You got to. Oh, yeah. You know, Preach. mature. And so I would say yeah. I could pinpoint that to you where I'm like, mm. ooh, that's the moment I understood what this is all about. That's the moment that I went all in that you're talking about. Yeah. And it was actually like I went in the Marine Corps. This amazing guy uh, led me into choosing the Marine Corps. But it was kind of funny. I had met up with some Christian brothers, and they said, hey, you want to go to Calvary Chapel? And... I was like, sure, you know, I don't have a church out here. I guess I should find one because I'm going to be living in California for the next four years. And so I said, yeah, I'll go with you. And it was a Sunday morning, and Pastor Chuck Smith yeah. was the the senior pastor there. It was a big mega church. I had never even heard of it. Yeah. And, you know, I went in, and it was a pretty typical Sunday. You know, it felt very familiar as far mm. as church. Yeah. I wouldn't say anything really stuck out. Um, other than just the size of it, mm. but, uh, the guys were like, Hey, since we drove all the way out here, would you like to go to the Sunday night service? And hey, I said, Sunday night, I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's go check out the Sunday night. And I walked into the sanctuary and this guy said, have you guys ever heard John before? Because there was a different pastor that was going to be teaching on the Sunday nights. Yeah. And I said, John, no, I've, I've never heard of him. And, and the guy said, oh, you're in for a treat. And I just kind of, <laughs> my skeptical mind was like, I'm in for a treat, dude. This is church. Ha ha. Like <laughs> totally just. <laughs> what a creeper. Yeah. And I remember the guy that comes doozy. out to teach. I had seen him earlier that morning for the Sunday morning because he prayed before Chuck came out. And he was sunburnt, so he kind of looked like a lobster. And I remember just looking at him, like, already judging and making my comments. Mm. And later that night when that guy said I was in for a trade, I'm, my skeptical minds are already like, dude, whatever. And the moment that guy opened up his Bible mm. and began to teach, my life was forever changed. Yeah, that's cool. I had never seen anybody go through the Bible, which is kind of funny growing up in church, and I, I don't really remember anybody going through the Bible. I remember people using verses in their sermon, but yeah. I've never seen anybody go Genesis through Revelation and actually teach it in a way that you can understand it. Yeah. You know, because we typically spiritualize things, and, oh, you can't really know, you know, and <laughs> you're prideful if you Only think I you know, know and I started a whole denomination. Yeah. No, I'm just playing. That's... I'll, I'll never forget, he was teaching <laughs> Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, which became very yeah, yeah. big passages for me when I was in Iraq. Yeah. But he was teaching in a way where he was teaching, like, the prophetic you know, he was teaching how a day is as a thousand years and a thousand yeah. years as a day. And he's like, you know, talking about how these Jewish mm. uh, historians believe that the yeah. earth is four, uh, 4,000 years or excuse yeah. me, 6,000 years old. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and I just thought that was really interesting because he's like, you know, if a day is as a thousand years, it's only been six days. We're yeah. about to enter the seventh day, the day of rest. Yeah. And he'd be the first one to say, hey, I'm not, debt I'm not date setting when the Lord's going to come back. 
but he just was teaching about prophecy about, Hey, the Lord could come back. He is coming back. It might be today. And in the book of acts, you know, you see a lot that they were always talking about the coming of the Lord, like his coming, you know, Peter telling them, Hey, get prepared, get ready. He's going to come back. This Jesus that you crucified. You almost sounded like uh, Arnold. He's going to come, come back. <laughs> and, uh, and it just blew my mind. So one, I'd never heard anybody teach the Bible. Two, I'd never heard people really talking about that Jesus could come back today. You know, I just never thought in those terms. And, um, you know, John talks about how yeah. those who have this hope, it, it purifies them. And yeah. so as I kind of started living my life, just knowing that Christ could come back any moment, it just yeah. had a big difference on the way I acted, the way I chose to live my life. And I think that's the moment I went all in and said, all right, this is it. This is life. Like a spiritual slap in the face. Like, let's yeah. go. I'm going to change the subject on you because I think there's some interesting stuff that I'd like to know. <clears throat> just as like, so you find yourself with a Christian ideology and how much did... Would you say boot camp? How much does that mess with your psyche and your mentality as far as the like the marine way? Is there like a certain thing that you would say, you know, boot camp not only is to physically prepare you, but did did, did any part of your marine boot camp mess with your mental your mentality as a Christian? Yeah, I would say um, that if anything, it it just reinforced kind of biblical spiritual principles. Um, yeah. For example, um, <clears throat> you know, in boot camp, the whole thing is really to give you this environment of unpredictability yeah. and stress. And, and the whole point of that is like, hey, you're going to go to combat. It's like if you can't handle the stress and the unpredictability now, yeah. You're not how are you gonna do when like, rounds start flying? Yeah. And so And let me let me interject something too. Sorry, I because I, I, I want to do like the speed round. Cause I don't remember as a kid growing up and you being like, check, I love Glocks. Look at these rounds, look at the AR. When did you get into guns? Was it during your marine training? Was that when you really kind of got a fascination for guns? And yeah, knowing yeah. them. The the funny thing is I'd never even shot a gun until I went to boot camp. Boot it, camp was literally my first experience. I absolutely love that. Do, do they do that thing that's like, and I was scared. this is my rifle. This is my friend. <laughs> like, is that real? Is that a real yeah. thing? It is. Yeah, it's like. Do, can you major paint it, a gun? Can you like take like, a gun apart and just put it back together? Did there, you learn how to there, do that? There are many rifles, but this one is mine. You know, you had <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and you live, you sleep, you breathe, you eat everything with your gun. Really? Like uh, eating breakfast and stuff? Oh, yeah. You have it with you 24-7. It just becomes really? an extension of you. And uh, in the wow. Marine Corps, if you even drop your rifle accidentally, uh, we always you'll hear Marines yell out, follow it. Cause you got to do 10 pushups for dropping your rifle. Really? That's cool. Uh, so anytime you'd hear a clunk, you so just follow it. <laughs> your first time shooting a gun. And then you got like a marksman in, in your boot camp, didn't you? Well, marksman is like the lower Then there's sh- sharpshooter, which is in the middle and then experts, the highest. 
Yeah. I became an expert, which is the highest. From first time shooting a gun. First time shooting. Now, this is right when like first person shooter video games were getting popular. Did you play those at all? No. No. Nothing. Dang. So, so dang, that's just crazy. And all my so, friends that grew up shooting guns came out of boot camp on the lower level. They were marksmen or sharpshooters. So, and you're just so I would a, give them a hard time. Like, dude, I'm the yeah. new guy. And, I mean, you shot me with a Nerf gun before, but yeah. so you're just a natural then. You're just a natural. No, it's not natural. It's, it's literally the Marine Corps is like, I'm yeah. going to teach you the fundamentals. Yeah. The fundamentals is all you need. Well, I'm saying if, you can learn the fundamentals and not be a good marksman or expert. You became an expert very fast if your first time shooting a gun was entering boot camp and then you earn your way to expert. I imagine that there's some kind of natural knack that you have, which is kind of cool. It makes me no, wonder how well, good I am because I have the same blood. Well, the maybe interesting I, thing. I'm good yeah, at it. <laughs> the interesting thing is uh, they actually prefer you not to have any background or experience because they have to break your bad habits. Yeah. Because when people have natural ability, they tend to have bad habits. Yeah. But if you do something that's basic, that's yeah. fundamental, and you're a good learner and you can pr- do it, that's all yeah. you're doing. Isn't that true of like everything? Oh, yeah. Like my people, my, though, it's like, and yeah. even in like as a pastor trying to train up people, like it's like that saying in, um, I, I want to say it's from Avatar that's yeah. like, you know, your cup already full, hard to teach. Yeah. Cup already, full. Yeah. like for anything, really. Yeah. So then now let me, let me fast forward. So, so then you're a Christian, you go to boot camp, you go through boot camp. It's getting on the plane time. What, what was that like, the plane ride to Iraq, knowing that 9 11 happened? We're get, we've been trained, we're going into combat. Like, what was the mentality of, of the plane ride like for you? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Um, well, actually, it was a boat ride for me. I took a boat. From California. From California. Oh, wow. We went, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we loaded up in like San Diego. So for me, it was like a bus ride to the where our sister lived down in so San Diego. Cause that's shout out I, to our sister, Rose Caldez. She is in the Navy or was in the Navy for a while. And she there's a fascinating article with my brother and sister. We'll say that for a different time. All right. So continue on. So the boat ride was how long? <sighs> It must Days, have been, weeks, or it must have been probably a month, maybe a month boat ride. Yeah, and that's what do you do on the boat for every day for a month? Well, Marines, we mostly just work out and clean our guns. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Now, what's the, the, the what's, ships have surprisingly really good gyms? So, and what's what's the relationship like though? Like, is it like like you know how like anything right? Like uh, I worked in a restaurant right, and there's like front of house staff and kitchen staff, and it's like there's like this little war. Is there like a clickish thing with Marines and Navy? Are you like, get out of here, Navy? And is there like a competition on the boat kind of thing, like click mentality? Yes, yes. I I would say that I have been a casualty on both sides where I've, you know, seen Marines not treat Navy guys too well. And yeah, I've been the recipient of a senior Navy guy that drilled me probably because he didn't like <laughs> Marines and wanted to get them back. <laughs> Did you ever be like, my sister's in the Navy, leave yeah, me alone. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one though. So yeah, it very much is like that. I never got caught up in that because yeah. I was the guy again that used to collect articles from yeah. pretty much all branches is and it, I just had such high respect for all of them. Yeah. Because um, you know you're all on the same team in a sense, yeah, but it's just like fun little yeah. rivalry stuff. And I've heard of uh, guys that have actually been in all the branches that, you know, they 
started out as pararescue men, then they went in, into the Army Rangers, and then they yeah. eventually went to be a Navy SEAL. Because well, probably know. not really popular to cross cross uh, train as one and then go to the other and the other one. Yeah, it's not very common. So where did you? I think if I did twenty years, I probably would have bounced around the different yeah. branches. Well, and where where did that boat land? I mean, where did it dock? Uh, it docks in Kuwait. Kuwait is kind of where yeah. you stage and kind of get ready, get your vehicles unloaded off yeah. the boat. How far is Kuwait from where you were stationed in Iraq? Uh, Kuwait is like right on the border of Iraq. So it's so, close. Yeah. So, so you it, have the Persian like Gulf. couple hour drive or what? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty long drive. I don't remember how many hours or how many days it took to go from Kuwait and you were to one Iraq. Of the first, you were one of the first ground troops to infiltrate like in Fallujah, Iraq, like when it, this, the craziness was going on, right? Well, during the invasion of Iraq, I was not there. I was uh, just getting out of boot camp. And the invasion had already started. Yeah. And by the time I got to my unit, they didn't want to, because eventually, like it used to be when you got out of boot camp, if your unit was deployed, you would meet up with them. But I came in and I was like that cutoff for like, all right, we're not going to send these guys to their unit because they're going to be coming back soon. So we're just going to um, find things for them to do until their unit comes back mm-hmm. and then they'll yeah boarded and and all oh, okay. that so i actually uh my first few months in the marine corps the barracks were full so i lived in a hotel whoa i, loaded, I never knew that That's i loaded cool. i unloaded planes coming back from iraq like a know. holiday in i mean whoa. i would <laughs> unload these planes like maybe once a week and I watched so many movies in the theater because I had nothing else How to do. How is Life in Kuwait? Is there a good movie theater? And I'll there? tell you this. My buddies and I would fall asleep during these movies because we'd mm. seen them so many times that we'd be snoring in the theater, mm. <laughs> taking up the entire row to lay down. Um, so, yeah, we had a little van that all of us shared. Um, there was a either a Sherry's or a Denny's in the parking lot of the hotel, and I ate there every day for every meal. Yeah. <laughs> That's and so, so cool. I watched the invasion <laughs> on my TV, basically. Yeah. So Iraq was down the road. So I went in the Marine Corps in 2002. Yeah. Fallujah was like two years later in 2004. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, but you you got to experience some street sweeps combat, though. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So, so, so Fallujah was basically uh, these insurgents had hung some American contractors on a bridge and basically displayed yeah, yeah. them for the whole world. And wow. Uh, so basically <clears throat> that's when they decided to send us in the second round of, of guys. So, so to speak. FDA. Yeah. They, they basically, there were some elections that were going to be coming up in Iraq, like mm. instituting a new government. Yeah. And at this point they wanted some stability in the country. And Fallujah was one of those strongholds where the insurgents pretty much ran the city. Yeah. And so we were sent in to bring that stability. So uh, so basically we so went yeah, house you gotta, to house every day for the month of November, just every day firefights. So was there like any cross in your mind from – because you st- if you started and you unla- unload planes and you're kind of – and the barracks is full and you're like – 
well, dang, I'm here at the Hilton. <laughs> like when you went to, when you knew that, okay, now my service has turned in from this to like, it's game time. I'm going in. This is my rifle. I know what I must do to the enemy. Like, was there a mind change between like the day that it was like today's November, today's the day. Like, was there a mind change that kind of went on in your? Yeah. Well, and I kind of told this story at the service on Sunday, but I was talking about how um, I was watching that CNN reporter. You know, you see the CNN yeah. reporter in the bullet, bulletproof jack vest giving the news with the helmet on. And Yeah. Well, usually you sit in your living room and you watch that. Well, I'm actually like in Iraq watching live this guy. Like I'm just off to the side. Did you try to get in the camera shot though? Did the Marines try to do that? And like, the funny get the thing is I learned about what we were doing through watching him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going into Fallujah. Okay. Yeah. That, oh, wow. And then he said it was going to be a bloody battle. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was too low of a rank guy to be in those meetings to talk yeah, yeah. about the plan. I was basically just the guy that executed the plan. So I don't, I, ca I can't, I, my memory is not good enough to tell you like moment by moment what I was thinking and feeling, but there are a few yeah, yeah. moments that stand out, but I, I do remember. Which is totally okay. If there's something that nothing comes yeah. to mind on a certain point, just like. Yeah. I do uh, remember I was um, in a Humvee and I was. You've seen those turrets and, and Humvees yeah, yeah, yeah. that spin yeah. around. They have a machine yeah, gun. Yeah. I was that guy sitting in one of those. Dude, just that's awesome. Like five miles an hour just yeah. creeping up on this city. And uh, there were planes dropping stuff. There was artillery yeah. dropping stuff. There were rounds flying, bullets flying. And, and yeah. you know, you lift up your night vision goggles and... You could see all this stuff going. Then yeah. you put your drop your night vision. And then you it, you know, it's all green, but different shades of light. And I mean, it to me, it looked like something out of a movie. Th you know, yeah, combat scene. I was like, oh my god! And I'm like slowly creeping into this as I'm watching it unfold. Here's here's and here's, so as I had just gotten into the city, the sun had just risen. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I see that first casualty of the war it was an enemy surgeant just laying on the street with their well oh, that's the and, first like dead person you saw yeah and that was like that was that moment where like like this isn't a video this game. is real this is real this is for keeps this yeah. is you know <clears throat> this yeah. is you know and it's funny as a kid when you're fantasizing about being yeah. a seal or a marine yeah. Um, you don't really, I, at least for me, I really didn't think about that part of it, you know? Yeah. So that's, maybe that's when think, it I just mean, became yeah. real to me. Like, Oh, <laughs> did know. you poke him with a stick? No, I'm just playing. I do have a question. Cause I think that it might help a lot of veterans out there or, or just people in general is like, cause I think that, that what I think would be hard and maybe it's not is cause you see, you see it in the Bible. I mean, you see, like, I think some people just want to go, I'm a Christian. Thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not murder. And they say those things and you're like, dude, look in the Bible. I mean, there's all kinds of wars against the Israelites. How was your mentality of like, I know I'm going to have to possibly and, and take someone's life that's the enemy? Like how 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 does how is that like mentally and, and with your faith and stuff? 
Yeah. I, I don't know that I necessarily thought about that too yeah. much other than just the shock of, oh, this is what I'm in. But I really didn't internalize yeah. it, whether it was right or wrong. I just didn't think in those terms. It was just literally I got to get yeah. back to, I got to get back home. Like I need to take out who I need to take out so I can get home. Right. Is that like the mindset of like, I'm not, you don't have time to think about that. So I'm just, I'm just trying to get home to my family. So I'm going to well, shoot and do I what grew, I, need to. I grew up around guys that wanted to join the military. And we'd always say like, man, I want to die for my country. I want to be a patriot. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I got in the Marine Corps when I heard somebody say, don't you dare die for your country. You make him die for his. And I was like, whoa. Oh, wow. What a powerful I statement. I never thought of it like that. Man, like, that fires me up, man. That's a good, that's a powerful uh, statement. But I, I think leaving it, it's just like war is just so, it's just the the ugliest side of humanity yeah, because you and might, what we yeah. do to each other. Yeah, and I left that just wanting to be a, a peace at all costs, just a yeah, a lover, um, just because you, you have know. to see you had to see kids, you had to see um, Iraqi kids that were, you know, brainwashed into thinking a certain way, and you probably had to run across like, man, these kids are a threat because their parents have taught him, you know, taught them evil, like, well, hey, throw this grenade at these Americans or. I mean, I imagine that's just crazy that, you know, when you have to see that, like, man. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting, but it, it almost gives you a humility because um, they say that, that uh, you know, with people that ha- uh, suffer with mental illness and yeah. schizophrenia that, the reason why you can't convince them that they're not being followed by the FBI is because they've had a million data points that have told them otherwise. Yeah. It could be a van just happened to open its door right when they were in front of them or something. Yeah. So they capture all these moments and they build their truth based on that. Yeah. And we have something, you know, it's called bias confirmation where we're constantly looking for something to help us uh, further believe. I saying like, I are you saying like veterans have that. No, or I'm just, just saying or Marines or I'm just saying that I started tr- like having more compassion for what would be dubbed my enemy, you know, because yeah. Jesus said to, to love your enemy, you know, he mm. came on the scene and yeah, there was this history when they were a nation and they were a kingdom and you had to go to war for your kingdom, right? Yeah. But now Jesus says, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do this thing called the church. And you guys are going to love for your enemy and you're going to pray for your enemy. So what I'm saying is that now I, I look at people and, um, you know, when you buy a red vehicle, say a, a Prius, You've never seen hey, no. a, you've never seen a Prius in your life, but the moment you drive off the lot with the red Prius, what do you see everywhere on the road? You see red Priuses <clears throat> everywhere, and what that is is your brain is um, looking for and yeah, you know, computing red <laughs> Priuses everywhere, and so now you're yeah. like, wow, they're everywhere. I didn't, I never saw them, and now they're yeah. everywhere, and our brains do stuff like that, yeah. and so. Now I I try to have 
you know, empathy. I not saying I agree or disagree with anything, but it, can I see it through their eyes? Yeah. Can I understand why my brother drives a you Prius? You know, <laughs> why somebody may come across uh, as being mean spirited or angry yeah. or whatever, uh, you know, and, and um, now I can try to say, like, it, are they really angry or yeah. is this a personality thing or, um, you know, just trying to understand people a lot better. That's kind of yeah. what. Well, let me. I took away from yeah. war was like. You, you ever? Know. You ever? Um. So let me back up to. Do you remember in war? Like, was there points where, you know, I know we say as Christians, like, oh, God doesn't give me his mirror of fear, but was there just a moments where you're just like, I'm afraid right now. Like, yeah. did you find yourself like? Bullets all around you. I don't know what's behind me, in front of me, to the sides of me. I'm just in a building eating noodles, and I don't, you know. Is there, like, times like that that happen? Yeah, I mean, there were, <clears throat> there are certain situations where, you know, maybe you're shooting, then you're ducking, then you're shooting, and you just feel like you're going through this motion that you've been trained. But then there's other situations where you're, you don't resort to your training. You're, like, thinking about it, and you feel those feelings of fear. But, yeah. Uh, one was, uh, we were doing, um, an operation and, uh, I think it was when we were going house to house in Fusion. We just had this one firefight that just seemed like started early in the morning. It's already into night and it just seems like it's never going to end. Yeah. Wow. And it's been like 12 hours of just straight fighting. Yeah. And I think we, you know, they even like lit some houses on fire to try to, smoke the situation out <laughs> and stuff and yeah and um i just remember that whole day probably for 12 hours straight i was just like praying that the lord would take me i was like lord um <laughs> i you know if the rapture happened in the next minute and i know some people don't believe in a rapture or, or that might be controversial talking about a rapture, but sucks to be them. I had went here. I had went to a church that taught on the rapture. And so, uh, and Paul said, when he taught on it, said comfort each other with these words. And I would comfort myself with the fact that the Lord could take me out of this situation at any moment. Um, that was probably one time I got scared, um, where I was like, man, this is probably going to be it. Um, Lord rapture me. I think I, that's probably the longest that I've ever prayed in my life. I probably prayed yeah. 12 hours straight with no that's, break, just yeah, talking to the Lord. Amazing. Second time was, uh, you know, every night we just take over a new house, sleep as much as we can, probably one or two, three hours at the most. And then we mm. go, we start again. Um, yeah. And go house to house. And we just did this for almost a month. Yeah. In November. And, there was one night when, you know, they were saying, hey, we're going to do this big mission. There's probably going to be a lot of casualties. And I was just like, oh, man, like, yeah, this is probably going to be it. I got yeah. through that last situation, but this is probably going to be the one <laughs> yeah. where I'm done. And my friends would send me studies. And I'm very like, I'll read into anything. I read into way too many things. I, yeah, I always yeah. have to have my wife balance me out to not read yeah, into yeah. things. But yeah. my friends had sent me a study, and it was called The Finish Line by Joey Brand. And Joey was a pastor. He was the youth pastor 
at uh, Calvary Chapel, and he had some mm-hmm. young kids like Jeremy Camp and Phil Wickham who came through his youth group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I used to love his studies and um, always had good worship on there because of the young guys that he knew. Mm-hmm. And so my friends would send me studies, but the study was called The Finish Line, and it was about, he was telling the story of Jeremy <laughs> yeah, Camp's wife, yeah. Melissa, and there's a movie about it now, yeah, yeah. but he's telling that story before it was a movie, talking about mm. how, you know, yeah. finishing the race, man, living a well-lived life, and then going to heaven, and I thought, mm. oh, this is confirmation. I didn't even know that that's what the message was about till about... The yeah, end yeah. of the sermon. And to me, I read into that and I'm like, all right, the Lord's letting me know he's preparing me yeah, that this is oh, the wow. end. And so basically like that night, I, you know, you just listen to a mis- message about dying yeah. and moving on. You get told that you're mm-hmm. going to go do this mission. And there's going to be a lot of casualties. And so that was probably the only second time where I felt like fear and oh my, you know, uncertainty. And uh, the mission got canceled, and we never ended up going. And (laughs) (laughs) praise God, I'm still here. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's probably the only two times I can think of where I was, like, scared, I'd say. Other than that, you kind of revert to your training. It's like you stand up, shoot, get down. Yeah, and it was, what did you say, four years? Were you in for four years? Yeah. And uh, what's been, like, um, I mean, obviously – that season probably has a big impact on your life, but um, what are some of the reflections you have now looking back at that season for life now? Um, well, one is uh, um, anybody who knows a veteran, it's incredibly difficult to open up and talk about these things. Um, I mean, even just in talking on your podcast, I'm having these moments of fear like, this can't go out. This has to be private. You know, that's, that's as a veteran, you just struggle opening up and the Lord's, you know, why why do you think that is? Do you think like, I think it's because, um, it's hard to talk about sometimes, you know, the guys you, I mean, these guys you get close to, I mean, it's not like, and you did a beautiful job honoring, your yeah, friend. yeah, that was beautiful, and that actually came out because I was listening yeah. to a military guy's podcast, and episode one he talks about the four men that died, yeah, the four Navy SEALs that wow. had died, and he said, yeah. you know what? Every day I live mm. to honor these men because they didn't get to have this opportunity. I start that business because they don't get to start a business. I love my family because they don't get a family. Wow. And it just was like, whoa. Powerful stuff. I was like, man, I need to talk about my Christian brothers, my Christian Marine brothers that made the ultimate sacrifice. And so I talked about Jason at the service on Sunday. But, yeah, it's very difficult to open up. So when a veteran does. How many guys are in one? um, And I think you get judged by other veterans, you know. I don't know why, but. How many guys were in your, it was a platoon? I mean, I'm not savvy on military terms, but like yeah, so, the guys that you're with, how many were in your unit? Yeah, so the Marine Corps is kind of broken up into platoons, and there are, you know, five platoons for, you know, first, second, third platoon, and then there's typically like a headquarters platoon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it could be like four platoons make up what's called a company. And a company usually is designated by a letter. It's Alpha, Bravo, Delta. So we were actually Charlie Company. Which, how, how many though? Approximately how and many we guys in we were the Charlie a- Company War Pigs. And there were probably, I'd say... Like 100, 200, 300... I say like maybe a dozen guys per platoon. Oh, only a dozen. So 12. Yeah. Cause we had, um, about f- three or four more. Well, let's see. We had five Marines probably. And we probably had three vehicles. So maybe we had about 15. Yeah. 15 Marines. So are there some things that you're just kind of like, well, you we know, probably you- had 15 to yeah. 20, 12 to 20. I can't remember. And then yeah. you have four of those. So yeah. you're talking 80 to 100 people makes up a company. Yeah. You know? Well, and, I can understand what some of the points you said about when you lose someone, memories and stuff. But I do know, even as a pastor and people that have talked about whatever their trauma is, um, whether, I mean, anything, any kind of trauma, whether it's military combat and, and some of the, you know, psyche that goes on there or someone losing their wife to cancer or someone uh, losing a baby. Um, a child. And so I feel like whether it's military or anything, like I think what's good is to be able to talk about it eventually um, and communicate. And so um, I'm very thankful that you serve. So first of all, thank you for serving and my sister and my dad who's in the air force. We try to hit every single branch of the military. Um, And then I served in a branch of the military called college because my mom was like, already had two kids deployed. So she's like, don't even think about it. So I went, <laughs> I just stayed home. Um, so thank you for your service. Thank you for talking about your friends. Jason um, has actually, there's some cool articles. He got a, when you talk about faith and just your, the Christian life, I mean, he got to baptize people in a tarp in a desert. How cool is that? That's so cool. Um, lead guys to the Lord. And then those guys are now with the Lord. I mean, that's so cool that you still honor them and stuff. It's very, very cool. Um, what is like one, maybe life's probably a lot more valuable. Like you said, you listen to that guy's podcast and it's like, dude, I'm doing this because I fell in love with brothers that didn't have that chance. But what's like one of the biggest pieces of advice you could leave for people that might come across this podcast as like a, you know, cause it's labeled as a philosophy podcast with some comedy and just some things from a, a, a biblical worldview, you know, on things. And so military it's just fun and interesting to talk about. We haven't talked about that yet. So what's, what's maybe one or two little nuggets that you'd leave for like the audience abroad for today's episode? Yeah, I would say that, um, no matter what you're going through in life, whether you're scared to open up, scared to be around people. Um, I would just say that, you know, one thing that makes the military special is that, Nobody joins the military to serve their own will. Everybody serves the will of another. And that's what Christianity is all about. Jesus was like, hey, serve each other. Mm. Um, And that's what my message was about Sunday was like, it just light bulb moment. Oh my goodness, this is what Jesus set up for us before he left was this community of believers that would lay down our lives for each other. And I'm not talking physically, but spiritually give up our lives and take up the role of a servant. A servant doesn't exercise Mm. his own will. But something that I think is even more powerful is um, Jesus always used 
uh, little children. He said, hey, if you're not, if you're not like a little child, mm-hmm. you can't enter the kingdom. Yeah. And what's interesting about a child is uh, a child doesn't exercise its own will. The child exercises the will of their parents through guidance and stuff. Mm. But children, you know, they don't question why dad's asking me to do that. They just say, hey, I know that my dad loves me and he wants the best for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what he asked because I I trust him. I know him. Mm. And I would say in every other culture and every other civilization, they would sacrifice themselves and each other for their gods. We're the only religion that God said, I'm going to become a man and I'm going to lay down my life for you. Yeah. And it's like, you can trust that. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says there's no greater love than for somebody who will give up their life for their friends. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes our God, Jesus, so unique, so special. Why he wants us to be like that with each mm-hmm. other. And, you know, it's like he's trustworthy. Like, yeah. You can step out in faith. You can do that thing you're scared of because you have somebody watching over you who's trustworthy. Yeah. Come on. Where's my applause button? <laughs> Preach. Man, that's so, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, my brother has three daughters, and I feel sorry for their for the boyfriends because my brother knows a gun. <laughs> He's like, this is my daughter, but look over here. This is my rifle. This is my friend. Um, maybe just say a quick prayer over everyone. That's why I like to do that for every episode. Maybe just say a quick prayer and bless the people as we go. I would say, would you want to say a little prayer, brother? Yeah. Um, Lord, thank you for the honor and privilege of... Um, just coming to Texas and being able to use what I believe you've gifted me with um, for my brothers and sisters, Lord, to encourage them, to stir them up, to think about something different, something unique, taking a story that they probably heard a million times and trying to offer a unique perspective, a fresh perspective for this new year, Lord. Help us all to just... um, to be your body, Lord, that the world may know that you are God. And um, something we used to sing at the end of every service when I was in church in California was um, the priestly blessing over the children of Israel. And it's become a really popular song. We even sing it out. Sunday, it. But it's, I only know it in the King James, so I apologize for anybody that no, doesn't do read it. that. But Come on. says, the Lord bless thee. And keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. Yeah. Amen. The blessing, we sing that at church Sunday. It's such a beautiful thing in numbers, the priestly blessing. But anyway, that is going to do it for Jason and John Bell on The Madness Show. We look forward to seeing you next Monday for episode, I think we're at 12 now. But anyway, God bless you. Stay safe and have a great year.